Today on the podcast, we spend far too much time talking about Brad Bird, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. We also spend a lot of time talking about Coming to America too, which surprisingly, I've watched far too many Eddie Murphy movies. We also review Bumblebee, uh, the latest in the Transformers universe. And finally, John talks silly to us. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It is the podcast that is absolutely dismayed at what's been happening in this country, but thankfully, I was out of it for the last week. Yes, apologies that it's been a minute since our last podcast. I was over in Slovenia. I was working over there with some parts of my day job, and that meant that I was a bit delayed. It also broke my microphone. I was doing a bit of uh, voiceover for some of our podcast stuff from the last one. Yes, as the VO, the VO game we're strong with us and uh, unfortunately my microphone broke on the way back so it's been a minute and uh, yeah that's why we're a bit late with our pod but anyway better late than ever that leads me to the co-host for the festivities for this pod you know him as John I know him as Deska you may know him as the collaborator on Lucky Dust the album you can find available on iTunes and Spotify where good all music stream services are how are you doing boy amazing amazing how are you how's good. Slovenia cold cold yeah very cold like minus 15 and, but thankfully, where I was staying, it was yeah. uh, right opposite the office I was working from. Mm-hmm. So all I had to do was walk across the street to go to where I was working. So it only meant that I was cold for like five seconds at a time. But for those five seconds, it was like the thing. Like it was just minus 15, snow, and just everything in between of that. Good fun. You lucky man get to travel the world with your job well i wouldn't say i get to travel the world i get to go to cold places you've done a bit of traveling you've been to dubai you've been to america like you, yeah. you've done a bit more than me on that pal. now i just go up and down the a12 on a weekday it's not as exciting <laughs> we're getting old flint we are getting old we are getting very old but anyway you know what's not getting old the world of news shall we crack straight on news ghostbusters obviously holds dear in a lot of our hearts of um, course what did you think about the reboot, the 2016 reboot? Well, I what I thought about it was I was going to get around to watching it and then didn't because I read about it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. Um, I thought it might perish some memory, so I, I've avoided it, to be honest. Um, I've heard a lot... You know when you feel like you've heard enough about a movie to fill in the blank? Yeah. That's very judgmental, and I shouldn't do that, but that's sort of how I feel. How do you feel about it? Well, let me fill in the blanks for you. Go on, then. So, basically, I'm not going to go into too much of it. Look, it, it's it's a good Paul Feig movie. So, if you like Paul Feig movies, then you're probably going to like this. If you are a massive Ghostbusters nerd and uh, felt that they shouldn't have rebooted and they should have carried on the story, you, you probably were, was disappointed with the 2016 movie. That being said, it introduced us properly to Chris Hemsworth as a comedic actor. Guy's got chops, he's hilarious in it, even in a film that's not that funny. Anyway, the people that are dismayed by that film can rejoice because Ghostbusters is making its return to the big screen. The original 80s universe storyline, if that makes sense. So basically, the original cast, it's taking that story and progressing that into the future. I don't know if they're retconning, as if that's even a phrase, the phrase, the 2016 movie, or just saying it's a different universe, whatever, but they're saying we are carrying on the story of the original Ghostbusters. So they got Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd? 
So the rumours are all... Because basically, this is a film that's been in development for about 15, 20 years. And a lot of people have had their own versions of the script rejected and everything else. So we don't necessarily know exactly what version has been greenlit. But all of a sudden, basically, it all came out on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Jason Raitman, basically the son of the director, um, Ivan Raitman, he is going to be directing it. And he has come out and first of all said it's in his DNA to want to do this film, quite literally. When he was six years old, he was on the... On the first, on the set of the first film, and he's absolutely so stoked to be part of this process again. They shared a little video, which was uh, didn't give anything away. It just showed the the car being uh, unveiled in an old barn. Yeah, you know, I don't think that's a story narrative. I think it's just a uh, just a thing to say, hey, it's back, sort of thing. And um, and some rumours have come out to say that the original cast, the living cast, are going to be going to be involved. I mean, the original cast actually did do cameos in the 2016 movie, not as their their characters, but just as cameos as, as other people in that. How stoked are you? Are you like, oh my God, yes, it's about time? Or are you like, meh? Uh, I'm half stoked. Um, yeah, I'm happy. Bring it back. Do a better job. <laughs> <laughs> I say, uh, why not? You know, Bill Murray, of you know, actors of his age, they're getting offered these sequels, obviously, of work that kind of uh, summarises almost their career. Obviously not Bill Murray, he's done hundreds of amazing movies, but it must be tempting to kind of wrap it up. He's, what is he, 70 now? Just to kind of like revisit some of these uh, favourite movies. I think, yeah, let's see what we can do. And you know it's going to come from the heart. It's the guy, like you said, it's, it's the son making it. So... If it's crap, at least it'll be. <laughs> at least he's going to try really hard. Yeah, he's got to try really hard. Yeah, I like that, John. So it's good good ambition there. Look, Jason Raitman is a fantastic director. He has worked on some really good stuff in his own right. He made Juno. Um, he's film. A, yeah, I knew that. I knew that was scratch your itch. Yeah, that, that's the right snobbery short, uh, sort of that's film you'd, whatever, you'd like. Whatever. Well, whatever, mate. He also <laughs> made films like Labor Day, uh, Tully. I thought he was a. I thought that was absolutely fantastic as well. Uh, but he hasn't done much comedy, and this is something which a lot of people have started to started to just poke around at, saying, "Oh, well, if he's not done much comedy, then should he be given uh, the opportunity to make this sort of film?" Now. I totally agree with you. Maybe experience-wise he hasn't done comedy, but he's made some amazing films which really do stir emotions with people, especially, let's say, Juno is one of those films that falls into that bracket. But James Cameron never made a comedy, and then he went and made True Lies. And that's actually a really good comedy. I know I, I beat up James Cameron quite a lot, especially on his podcast, just because I think he's a bit of a twat. But when it comes to actual films, he's, he's amazing. And True Lies is a great comedy. Talented people can make things with their talent. You know, you can aim that direction just slightly differently. So I'm really excited to see this. Um, I know a few people are like, just leave it, just let it be. These films are good. Some people say that Ghostbusters 2 is not actually that good. I personally generally love that one. In fact, that's, dare I say, actually maybe even my favourite out of the two. Um, but yeah. The remake. No, 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 Ghostbusters 2. So, you know the one with the Statue of Liberty? Oh, right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was gone way off script there. That's right. A lot of people think the the second Ghostbusters movie is like not that good. Like it's just a cash grab for kids. Mm. Then again, we were kids at that time, so there's probably a diff that's probably a reason why we love it. <laughs> cool. So speaking of other films that are coming back to play off nostalgia, were you a fan of Coming to America? Yes. I I mean not like I can I remember it. I don't remember it, it well. It has a it has a place in history, right? Like Eddie Murphy for a period of like ten years was one of the best actors on the planet. 
He was brilliant. Beverly Hills Cop, all three. Yeah, well, no, but he, he was in other stuff as well, which was which was pretty good. And he could do a bit of he could do a bit of drama as well. Like there was in the late eighties, early nineties, I would say he was he was probably one of the best actors going. Um, I would include Nutty Professor movies in there, mate. I love them. The first one's great. The we second the right one, age. the second one, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the second one's terrible. But but um, oh, there was that one. He done a cop. Well, he done tons of cop films. But there was one I think called Metro. Where it's like he was like a hostage negotiator, mm. and there was this one scene where he buddies up with a, a middle-aged white guy who's you know really awkward around him, but they got mm. the chops to work together. And there's a scene where he's like, "Oh, um, if you want to be a good hostage negotiator, you've got to get this pen out of this glass bottle without breaking the bottle." And the guy spends all night trying to solve the problem, and uh, I was really impressed. The, the solution was pour water in the bottle until pen lid came out but anyway uh enough about the the tr- the films of eddie murphy in the past let's talk about eddie murphy of the future and um, he is coming back for coming to america too i think this is a sequel no one has asked for and people kind of forgot about it to begin with but hey bit of nostalgia he needs a good movie though doesn't he Ed? oh god Ed. he does yeah, yeah yeah it's a bit of a sh- i remember watching uh, a few years ago a, a comedy quote unquote with Eddie Murphy leading, and it was absolutely offensively bad. Um, and it was kind of a shame when, you know, when a really funny, you know, Steve Martin comes to mind as well, really funny guy starts just being not funny anymore. It's a very odd. Mm. You think you wouldn't lose that. But um, so, yeah, let's hope they get it right. Yeah. Things that you don't, like Eddie, like you, you listen to interviews with him, and like you, you hear him in public at various things. You go, you're a funny guy. I think it's about taking the money, though. It's, it becomes more like, it's my job. Yeah. I've, I've done my bit. Uh, so let's try and figure out, at what point did Eddie Murphy go a bit downhill? After the clumps. <laughs> yeah, that was it's pretty bad. Uh, I was like, he done that... Um, I know there might be some kids out there going, no, that was my childhood, I loved that <laughs> film. But uh, do you remember he done the Haunted Mansion movie? Oh, I didn't didn't watch that. Yeah, so basically Disney, after the success of Pirates of the Caribbean, Mm. decided to cash in on all their rides. So one of them was National Treasure Mm. with Nicolas Cage. That's actually just a ride at Disney. You worked at Disney. I'm I'm sure I'm preaching to to the choir on that. Uh, But also uh, The Haunted Mansion Mm. was uh, a ride, and they they decided to do a film adaptation of that, and Eddie Murphy was the lead in that, and that's pretty bad. He'd done a film called Pluto Nash, which is like kiddie version of Total Recall if it could be like that that was pretty bad mm. and then Norbert though saw that one yeah I've watched too many bad Eddie Murphy movies yeah. haven't I um, anyway do you harbour much hope um, no no oh, I saying that was that one where it was Beyonce uh, it was, uh, won an Oscar for singing in it um, Dream oh, Girls Dream Girls yeah he's in that and he's uh. actually quite good so maybe there's a bit of hope. But anyway, look, Coming to America has a place in people's hearts. It has a place in history. And I would say if you don't, if we didn't have Coming to America, we might not have had James L. Jones as Mufasa in The Lion King. <laughs> Why, you ask? Because actually James L. Jones was first cast in a film, in a regal role in Coming to America, showing his dramatic voice and that he actually can be quite funny and caring, which made Disney pay attention. And then he got cast as Mufasa. So you're welcome from that film. Very cool. That's yeah, good knowledge. That's, that's good. why that's... you're the host of Talk Filming. <laughs> anyway, did you see, um, speaking of uh, 
90s throwback films coming back, which seems to be a, fr- a thing at the moment. Um, Bad Boys 3 started filming. Yes. Did you notice that? Yes. You notice that Will Smith is, although he, he's starting to, he's he's living long enough to become Uncle Phil <laughs> <laughs> in terms of looking everything else. It, uh, Martin Lawrence is actually looking all right. Like I was quite, I was, yeah, I was generally surprised. Yeah, he the same. It's yeah. very odd. Apparently they uh, spent the night together watching the first two movies in preparation. The night before they started filming, they watched the first two together in uh, like a bro way, yeah, which yeah. is really adorable, I think. It uh, must have been so, so funny. Yeah, I, I think that's chuffing hilarious. I love the idea. I can imagine them sitting there drinking and just going, everybody wants to be like Mike. <laughs> or uh, maybe one day they'll actually learn all the lyrics to the song. But, right. I watched Bad Boys the other day because it was just one of those films that just pops up on TV. And you, you know, like this, there's this. We should probably do a feature about this. What films that pop up on TV that you weren't you weren't planning on watching, mm. but when they're on, you're you hooked. Get you get in. sucked in. Like Bad Boys is one of those. Jurassic Park's always in that. Cool list Runnings as well. has sucked me in a lot. That's a bank holiday sucker. That's a, <laughs> that's a sucker. <laughs> What's your bank holiday sucker? Dumb suckers? and dumber, mate. I would... Oh, I, it's really hard. To, even though I've obviously... That's the film I've watched more in my life than anything else. Um, Total Recall always yeah. seems to be on at some point. It's the old action movies that you can just watch five minutes off and you're like, I have to I have to keep watching. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, yeah. Last Action Hero. Yeah. But it always seems to be that scene when Charles Dance appears and goes, have a nice day. And, mm-hmm. and then it always seems to get sucked me in front. Anyway, <clears throat> Bad Boys was on TV the other day and I couldn't help but think, this is such a Michael Bay movie. Like, it's basically just guns, cars, <laughs> sex, son. A laddie movie. It is, but, you know, do you remember back in the day when we done our first podcast and we reviewed Transformers the last night and... I, I asked the phrase, does Michael Bay actually see the world this way in terms of different stereotypes of, of gender and and nationalities and stuff? This has been peppered through every film he's ever been involved in, like Bad Boys, although it's a great film, some bits have not aged well through the prism of 2018, he's 2019. He's just a testosterone-fueled man who likes to make man movies and men like it and there's nothing wrong with that there's there's nothing wrong with that but it's also like it's 13 year old boy mentality (laughs) isn't it it's just like he's managed to encapsulate that in a career he's definitely he's holding on isn't he but anyway let's move away from from old stuff and to the new so John I know you're a massive Marvel geek as always Spider-Man Far From Home trailer dropped a lot of people are disappointed to see the trailer to an extent because obviously what happens in Infinity War and hasn't concluded yet with the sequel Endgame coming out very soon Um, obviously Spider-Man is going to live obviously Peter Parker (laughs) goes back to his normal life and this is the next Spider-Man film look suspend disbelief in that Jake Gyllenhaal is in this he is playing Mysterio and he looks incredible in this role yes that's yeah that was the best part for me having Jake Gyllenhaal pop up I mean, it looks good. It's always a younger and younger Spider-Man. I lose track of them all. <laughs> Spider-Men all over the place. Spider-Man, they, they just get younger. But the story stays exactly the same. It's the coming-of-age story. And I don't know how that could be interesting after watching two Spider-Man movies. Can you fill me in? Well, I'll, I'll Craig David it for you. <laughs> so basically, look, the first the first films uh, directed by Sam Raimi with Tobey Maguire in they were they were fantastic. Okay, they we owe place to them in law of comic book movies because they they told us we could make films in these ways. Uh, I mean, I even include the third one in that one. 
Now, for whatever reason, Sony decided to reboot with Andrew Garfield at the time. Look, I think Andrew Garfield is a great Spider-Man, just he never got a great Spider-Man movie. Um, they decided to go back to the drawing board and they actually went with someone who was of school age to be in these films, which is a good start because Andrew Garfield was in like his 30s when he started doing that. Like, do you remember that Steve Buscemi uh, scene where he's like, hello, fellow pupils? Like, it's, it's kind of... It's, it, was, it was looking a bit like that. So um, they have deliberately tried to avoid the original story in the new versions. So, like, they don't do another origin story. You don't see another Uncle Ben get killed. They just literally touch upon it in a throwaway sentence, which is quite good. Look, Tom Holland is a talent. If you haven't seen him in anything of late, I highly recommend it. He's been casting a bunch of stuff because of, obviously, his role as Peter Parker. But he's going to be in, um, he's going to be in an Uncharted movie. Uh, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. He's been cast, I think he's just been cast in a new Netflix film with Chris Evans and like the longest cast going of absolutely amazing people. Um, I think you would actually, if you just suspended the whole comic book thing and just watched Tom Holland, I think you'll generally enjoy his films. I'll give it a go, Flinny, I promise. Anyway, so let's talk about a reboot that's coming. Final Destination, was that a, was that a film that you liked growing up? Was that a, a big thing? It's a bit, not really, but it's a novelty, isn't it? It's like creative ways to kill someone uh i mean that's the draw isn't it yeah i hope they get someone amazing to be behind the camera on this because like you say it's just a gimmick of (laughs) things falling apart it's basically like an episode of casualty like you know (laughs) so sorry for our us audience so basically there's a tv show in the uk called casualty you'll never guess what it's about and it's essentially it's a hospital show where it will show people outside doing their normal stuff and then they'll be like on the phone to their partner saying, yeah, I'll drop the kids off. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll take the car. Yeah, there's something wrong with the brakes, but I'm sure it's not related to anything that's going to happen in the next 20 minutes. Obviously an accident happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it feels like Final Destination is just foreshadowing a bunch of deaths in a hilarious manner. So I'm not too stoked about this. I think kind of leave it in the past. But that being said, there I are could certain- do some more creative things now though, right? With... CGI, how realistic they can make things. Yeah, let's let's see who gets involved. They get the right creative people, like people like James Wan built their careers off off these sort of horrors, right? So let's see what what we can get. If it's young, upcoming, amazing talent, and this is a good platform for them, then awesome. If it's more of the same, then then I'm kind of out of that. Um, yes, I've been hanging out with my daughter today, hence why I'm just trying my best not to swear neither. So. <laughs> uh, Danny Glover, not to be confused with Donald Glover. I'm literally talking about the OG Danny Glover. He is going to be in the new Jumanji sequel. Very good acquisition. Not getting too old for this shit. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I also, I didn't realise Danny DeVito was cast in December. Like, they proper kept it quiet. They were just like, oh yeah, by the way, Danny DeVito's going to be in the movie. And like, that's an awesome acquisition. Him yeah. and Donald like, and Danny Glover, that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, like we said last time, we're sort of looking forward to this one. Jumanji sort of took us by by surprise, I better just, than expected. Just please don't go down the route of it's going to be OAPs, because you know it's going to happen next. It'll be a, oh, we're going to get Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine in, <laughs> because that always seems to happen. And it's going to be a bunch of old boys who show they can do it again in some video game in Jumanji. I hope they don't go down that route. So the cast list is already huge, right? You've got the rock you've got uh kevin hart uh, as long as he keeps his twitter account clean i'm sure he'll be sticking around there jack black who was i thought jack black was such a revelation he was in brilliant that, in that, that one really as well. and of course obviously karen gillen who who needs no introduction from that as well speaking of people who know 
who need no introduction. Christopher McCorey, um, you know, you may know him as the director of the latest Mission Impossible movie, Mission Impossible Fallout. He also directed Ghost Nation. He's also had an amazing collaborative partnership with Tom Cruise that has spanned over tons of films, the Jack Reacher movies. Uh, I think he was involved in Edge of Tomorrow. There's just tons and tons of stuff they've worked together on now. They don't want to break up a good thing. So they're back together, and yes, they are back together, not for one, but two Impossible missions. Mission Impossible is doing a back-to-back -back filming of two sequels with Christopher McQuarrie writing and directing with Tom Cruise, and it's coming out in 2021 and 2022, retrospectively. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. It seems like when, when you make a, an amazingly successful blockbuster, it like buys you two movies, doesn't it? <laughs> and... There's a like James Cameron did it as well, and Peter Jackson. You film them back to back, yeah. and then stagger it. Uh, it's quite a clever way. I guess it's quite an economical way of filming. It's a good way of keeping energy going. They've done it with Infinity War and Endgame. They also done it with Back to the Future, um, mm. two and three. It's a good way of a like you say keeping costs down, keeping energy going. But also, Mr. Cruz is no spring chicken. Although I swear he is actually aging backwards. And, uh, yeah, they probably want to record a lot of this as soon as possible. Now, these guys push the boundaries of... I don't, I don't think he's going to die or anything like that. <laughs> he, but every time there's a Mission Impossible movie now, there's always a delay because Tom Cruise gets injured because he pushes himself too hard. Are you saying uh, he's an old guy still trying to prove that he can still do it? He could, probably like do it. Sort of he could probably do it far better than we can, mate, to be fair. But, um, yeah, I, I think... This, I think even Tom Cruise is acknowledging there's only so much gas in the tank, so better do what he can. And uh, they pushed the boundaries, not just with stunts, but with uh, visual effects. Now, they kind of got a bit of uh, a bit of stick over the internet over the last uh, few weeks because Christopher McQuarrie uploaded a video telling you to change the settings on your TV when watching Mission Impossible Fallout. He wants to get rid of motion blur or something. And he's like, this is how the film... This is When I made the film, this is how I intended it to be made. And then your TV is fucking it up for me. So please, can you do your TV under these settings to watch the film how I intended you to see it? Do you know what? That's genius. Because even if you weren't going to watch it, you're like, oh, I might... I have to see it now. Because <laughs> yeah. there must be something so different about it so I think that's quite clever I kind of want to see what they do next right because he was the guy who convinced Tom Cruise to strap himself to the side of a plane mm. he's convinced him to like hold his breath underwater for abnormally long amounts of time like Tom Cruise has been pushed to physical limits that no one should have and but he loves of, it doesn't yeah, he yeah he loves it he's, he's, he encourages it he he enables all of this so I'm not saying it's torture or anything like that but <laughs> I'd love to see like they're, they're They've conquered it. I don't understand what they're left for them to do. So for them, for Chris, for Christopher McQuarrie to be so excited that he has not signed on for one but two and want to film them back to back, he must have a pretty amazing idea to, to set that in motion. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. It's one of them franchises that isn't letting up and it's kind of good to see. Hopefully they can keep it fresh enough. I hope so. I love the fact that this uh, the narrative of these Mission Impossible movies reluctantly always steers away from passing the mantle so it do you remember like they introduced jeremy arena in i think it was i think it was in ghost protocol and um 
like, oh, okay, it's obvious they've got a younger guy in and mm. eventually at some point Tom Cruise will probably say, well, kid, you can handle this and mm. I'll go be a teacher or, in fact, he even went to be a teacher, didn't he? But, um, you know, I'll, I'll hand it over. Nope, Tom Cruise is the star of the show. Mm. Oh, okay, uh, Henry Cavill's been cast. Oh, amazing cast. Like, this is great. He, he can carry this franchise for, for further more years. Nope, he's he's the, not spoiler alert, he's the bad guy in Fallout and they kill him off. Mm. So that's it. No, Tom Cruise, you are still front and centre of this. And, uh, yeah, you know, long may it continue. I hope whoever is making the new Bond films is uh, paying attention of how to make a good modern action movie. And, you know, it's done in a way which is just so refreshing, even though it's like six movies in. So mm. that's amazing. Anyway, let's move away from blockbuster world and let's talk about Brad Bird. Um, I, I generally love this man. He directed and wrote the Incredibles movies, but he's been a massive influence at Pixar. And I think he joined Pixar shortly after um, the forming of Pixar when Steve Jobs got involved. And he is going to direct a musical. Now, I love the guy, so I'm really stoked about this. Yeah, this is exciting times. Is this on Broadway, I presume? It's going to get in Broadway, West End? I assume it will probably go Broadway, but... Um, you know, you don't just get. Well, I suppose your name's Brad Bird, so that gives you quite a you bit do of what he likes. Yeah, so be interesting to see how he gets involved in that. But his narration of telling a story is so so impressive. Now, um, at Pixar, they have these things called they call them brain trusts. If you've read the book Creativity Inc., you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, I really do encourage you to read it. It's the story of Pixar and and how they work. But they have these these teams called brain trusts. And the idea of this is basically you come with your your half-baked idea mm. and these guys will basically shoot it to shit until they get a good story. And so lots of things have changed as a result of this. So, for example, Up, uh, the original storyline was actually meant to be a castle in the sky and it was about a king who falls out of the, the castle and they basically hacked the shit out of it till we got up the way we've seen it now. And how amazing is that film? It's beautiful, especially that opening sequence mm. is one of the most beautiful opening sequences in any film. You learn everything you need to know about that man's life in a five-minute segment with no dialogue, and the emotion is fantastic, and it's an animated movie. And Brad Bird was fundamental to a lot of these things, and he's credited for a lot of inspiration for some of the most wackiest ideas Pixar's ever had. He also gets credited a lot for helping um, emote in terms of help doing subtle suggestions and changes. And there's one scene in particular which um, absolutely encapsulates this. So there's a, in, do you remember in the Incredibles movie? Mm -hmm. you now there's a scene where Bob is uh, having a, an argument with Elastigirl and he's like, I can't lose you again and like starts, starts basically wailing on why he can't lose her again. Mm. Now in the original version... Um, that was shown to the Brain Trust, which Brad Bird obviously was directing at the time, but obviously wanted to get feedback on. Uh, they hated the scene. They said, ah, oh, uh, he was too empowering. And uh, it was like he was almost bullying Elastigirl rather than confessing how he felt. So he went back and everyone was tempted to get rid of the scene, get rid of the scene, get rid of the scene. It's not worth it. It's, it's, it's going to change the dynamics of the film and not in a good way. And he sat there for ages and thought, how can I make this... For me, it's a really important scene. It's how mm. Bob expresses himself and everything else. So he changes one thing. When Elastigirl turns around and says to him, this isn't about you, he makes her extend her neck so she's eye to eye with him because they're equal. And it means that he can shout and be aggressive at her. And it's not threatening, it's just expressing himself. And she can receive that and say, look, I can give as good as I get. This is not about you. Mm. Everyone looked at it completely differently and said, this is one of the best scenes in the film now. It's an emotional crux of the movie. You've got to keep it in. 
So he can he can emote and he can figure out using motion and people's body language in a way which really does tell a story. So put that on a musical, we might sound awesome. You don't get the subtleties in musical though. Um, I mean, as you may know, my wife is in a musical at the moment. She is a musical theatre actress, so I've learned a lot about musicals. I mean, if you're halfway back in a theatre, you can't see the subtleties. It's more obvious. So, uh, and yeah, can you write a song? I don't know. I'm looking forward to it because, I mean, the Book of Mormon is the best musical of all time. Oh, I love that. And yeah. Trey and Matt Parker came from a film background and uh, managed to work with uh, an amazing composer who also did Frozen. Um, name forgotten now. But uh, yeah, so oh, I think okay. there's been some really good history of, of it going well and going badly, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. But I think Brad Bird's one of them people. He's just signals quality, doesn't he? Yeah. So, he actually did direct a... Go back to Mission Impossible. He's directed a Mission Impossible movie. He done a Ghost Protocol. Oh. Which is a great, great film as well. So so there you have it. I, I think that's pretty much the news for this week. If there's anything we've missed that you want us to, to talk about, get in contact with us on Twitter at TalkFilmyToMe. Hello, filmy people. Apologies for the audio quality in the next segment. Uh, this is our review of Bumblebee. Uh, towards the end of last year, I was lucky enough to go to a special press screening of this, and I wanted to get my thoughts down straight away, so I used my iPhone to record the audio. Um, hopefully, with, through the magic of compression, you won't notice any difference, but just in case, I want to give the heads up. Anyway, sit back, relax, enjoy. Please do your favourite noise and listen about Bumblebee. Is the beetle for sale? Pure's kid. Happy birthday. Any OG listeners of the Talk Film With Me podcast will know that our first ever review was of Transformers The Last Night. Hopefully, from that review, you gathered two things. One, that hopefully we've improved as podcast hosts over the last couple of years, but also that uh, I wasn't particularly a fan of that movie. I'm a massive fan of Transformers. I'm an 80s kid. I grew up loving those cartoons and the animated movies, but after the first Michael Bay movie, it's fair to say it really did go downhill. And uh, Hasbro wasn't letting up. They've planned a whole universe of spin-off movies, and this is the first one out of the gate. Bumblebee, the origin story of the little yellow beetle, uh, is directed by a guy called Travis Knight. So, you know, first of all, this is the first Transformers movie to not be directed by by Mr. Bay himself. But he actually, you know, Michael Bay was a producer on this movie. But this is very much Travis Knight's show. Uh, Travis Knight comes from an animation background. You might not necessarily associate him with the big blockbuster popcorn flicks. Uh, most notably, Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, is his like big crowning achievement before this movie, and he he just gets animation. He absolutely uh, he's in that world. It's ingrained in his DNA, and it shows in in this movie. So anyway, basically the the origin story of this is that it's set in 1987 for a number of reasons. One, the music is chuffing awesome, but also it's around the time that the TV show was about. And Mr. Travis Knight grew up watching these TV shows, and he really wants to get back to what made those TV shows awesome. And he tries to encapsulate that in this film, and I think he does to a great degree of success. Um, it's been written by a lady called Christina Hodson. Uh, she wrote the screenplay, I think, for Wonder Woman. And uh, yeah, this is just another another uh, not to her bow of awesome films that she has uh, has helped hand with the story of. 
It's also in terms of cast, it's introducing Hayley Steinfeld, who's had an amazing year. She was in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, she voices Gwen Stacy in that, and also she obviously in this film. Uh, John Cena is playing the classic army bad guy who is a bad guy but then ends up becoming a good guy spoiler alert uh, but John Cena is actually an amazing actor I generally think he doesn't get the credit for um, for the work he does but anyway the story of this film starts in Cybertron which the first 10 minutes is just pure 80s feast of your eyes of Cybertron during the Cybertronian Wars everyone's in their classic 80s colours the noises are there the and yeah, I was just so, so happy to see all this unveil on screen. Basically, the war is happening. Optimus Prime sends Bumblebee, who's not called Bumblebee at the start, actually. You learn the origins of Bumblebee's name. And uh, is sent as a, on a scouting mission to Earth. Uh, why he's being sent to Earth, a couple of Decepticons follow, uh, follow suit. They crash land. And basically, Bumblebee has to hide out on Earth. He hides out as a little... Volkswagen Beetle, and then Haley's character called Charlie on her 18th birthday stumbles upon Bumblebee. Kind of similar tropes to the first Transformers movie from that perspective of coming of age, passing of the torch, buy the car, turns out it's a Transformer, and hilarity ensues. But you know, this let's not let's not confuse the two movies here. This is very much a movie in its own right with its own story. Um it does some really bold things. It doesn't absolutely smash you with, with action. Uh, it does a lot of character development. And that brings me back to Travis Knight. The guy obviously knows how to tell a story through the medium of animation. He knows when those little subtle changes, those little nice uh, areas of dialogue for exploration, he incorporates this in this film. He's also been really inspired by Steven Spielberg. There's definitely a sort of ambulant movie feel of this, uh, especially the early scenes where where Charlie and Bumblebee are hanging out around the house. Makes you think, obviously, of E.T. when you're trying to hide an alien and all that sort of stuff. Uh, not necess- I'm not trying to say it's as good as E.T. I'm just saying it's inspired by E.T. Um, there's some really, really amazing scenes where it's just between Bumblebee and Charlie, It's and it's it's just charming, and you wouldn't necessarily associate that with with the Bowverse of Transformers movies. So this is this is a much-needed breath of fresh air. I think it's actually the best Transformers movie. I really enjoyed this. I thought the cast, like I said before, absolutely fantastic. It even plays uh, You Got the Touch by Stan Bush, just to even pay even more homage to it. I really hope Travis Knight is allowed to continue making these movies. Um, all of a sudden, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens next. Uh, there is some... Uh, Easter eggs to the other Transformers movies. We talk a bit about Sector 7. I don't know why, but yes, they do talk about it in this quite a bit as well. There's some really good character bits with this. Optimus Prime does make a bit of an appearance in this. And, you know, it's big, bold, colourful and 80s. Uh, Whilst at the same time, the action scenes, they're a little bit slower. There's only one thing in the centre of the screen where the action scenes are happening. So you can focus on what's going on. So it dials it back, but by dialing it back, we get so much more. I am very, very happy. It's pro- I generally thought I was going to come out and go, uh, trash, move on. But no, I generally enjoyed this. Four out of five. Um, I know that uh, a lot of people are sceptical about this, but trust me, this is a Transformers movie we've always wanted. Four out of five, Bumblebee. I've seen firsthand these things really are. Bumblebee. There is only one way to end this war. You must protect Earth. 
So we're back with a game this week, and I'm not the one who come up with the game this week. So John texts me during the week saying, I've got an idea for a game. I'll tell you about it on the pod. And that's as much as I know. So, John, what is it we're doing? What is the game? What on earth are we doing? Well, it's pretty simple. Right. I'm going to play you a clip of a very famous film, and you are going to tell me what that film is. Sounds simple, right? Sounds easy. Nothing's ever simple in this Nothing's world, John. Nothing's simple in this world, mate. I've changed it. I've used my audio... Uh, Pro-esque. <laughs> Pro-esque. <laughs> to uh, change the audio slightly, make it sound a little bit weird. Okay? Okay. Sometimes it's been sped up, slowed down, uh, you know, tuned up, tuned down, reversed. Oh. <laughs> okay? So you've got to really use your noggin. Right. That means brain. We we just give it a name though, this game. Um, yes, we do. Talk silly to me. Talk silly to me. <laughs> there you go. Talk silly to me. Here, right, go on and hit me with the first okay, one. Okay, number one. Oh, this is a famous film, a famous quote from a famous film. It's been reversed. Oh, you... it's been reversed. Are oh you my ready? God. All right, go on then. Oh, I see dead people. <gasps> From, from the sixth sense. Well done, yes. Well done. Ah. Now, I'm worried I've made this too easy, but um, we'll see how we go. Okay. Okay. Right. We Next. didn't talk about, what, do I win prizes or something? Or is, it's just a bit of fun. You win one point. I win a point. Okay. okay. Points mean prizes. Points, they always mean prizes. They mean prizes. So, this next one has been sped up. Okay. Are you ready? And I will stomp down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger. Those oh, who yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pulp, fiction. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Jewel scene, the Kalua Lua Burger thing. Classic. Classic. Also, I think... Ezekiel 25-15. Boom, motherfucker. Well done. I think that is also uh, how they make the Worms voices in If You Play Worms, the video game. You know what? I think we've just unearthed a conspiracy here, John. (laughs) That's it. Okay, next one. Are you ready? Yeah, hit me a bit. You should know this one. This has been added lots of reverb. Lots of basically, <laughs> lots of cowbell. Running out of ideas at this point. Okay. Oh, Batman. Jack, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, saying before he shoots um, uh, thingy. Um, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Sank always said before I kill my victims. That's. I mean, this is too easy, isn't it? Three points. Three out okay, three. this last one is a curveball. There's music from one film. And a quote from the other. I've got to guess the music down. and the well, quote. Well, you've got to use your noggin to guess them both. Right. Are you ready? Hit me. So you're telling me there's a chance. Okay, I've got it. Pause it. Jaws, the theme, telling me there's a chance, dumb and dumber. <laughs> <laughs> too easy, isn't it? John, John, don't, don't, don't. Okay, give me, give me the props here. Give me the props yeah, here. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Well done. you got them all. Four and out a four. bonus. I'm going to make it much harder next week. I'm going to change, make it sound insane. <laughs> I might do something with the music. It'd be a good to have a music quiz as well. That would be awesome. You're really good at mashups. Well, thank you. Maybe I should make a film. Do mashup. some film mashups. That'd be that'd be incredible. Actually, if our listeners have got ideas for John to mash up in terms of either famous quotes from movies or famous film scores, get in contact with us uh, on podcast at talkfilmingtome.com via email or DM us on Twitter at talkfilmingtome. But I generally enjoyed that, John, and I I feel like I know something about silly films now. (laughs) 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Film with me. I also want to thank the 1,000 people who have started following us on Spotify. No, not Spotify. I'll get that right. On Podbean. Uh, absolutely amazing. We are going to do a one-off Podbean special in the next coming weeks uh, just for you guys as a massive thank you for, for following us and liking our stuff and just uh, talking filming to us. Much appreciated. But John, how can people find you? You can find me at Descomento on Twitter. And we are rounding up to rounding up fucking hell and we are gearing up to the big website launch uh, talkfilmwithme.com the the website for the podcast about news entertainment general pop culture it'll be launching mid-February if you are interested in contributing being a writer or or contributing being one of our reporters or maybe going to some of the press screenings we'll get invited to all that cool stuff uh, get in contact again email podcast at talkfilmwithme.com till next time bye bye we're down in the basement We'll lock the cellar door and baby Talk filmy to me